0: Welcome to the Beyond Sunday Podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday Podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today?
1: And I'll be honest with you, Jordan, I'm kind of hurting for some folks on the other side of the world that I've gotten to know and love very much. Um, Some, who are um, part of Israel and some who are visitors to Israel right now, but they are there right now. And given the events of recent days, um, just really heartbroken over what has transpired. Um, To be clear, we're recording this on Monday. Mm -hmm. So by the time that this post is dropped on Wednesday, who knows what changes might have come about. But what we do know now is that Hamas unprovoked attacked Israel and and killed a lot of people and uh, took a lot of people hostage, mm-hmm. and it is a it is a very difficult situation right now. And so the biblical admonition to pray for the peace of Jerusalem uh, is heightened, I think, for all of us, and uh, to pray for the Jewish people who have been attacked and for for all the people who are um, going to be. Uh, part of 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 the collateral damage that comes from this this active aggression and retaliation and uh just praying for that part of the world and man um heavy-hearted this morning as we sit down to record our podcast
0: yeah yeah and uh, i think people will probably have seen it in news reports but the attacks fell on the sabbath which yes. is you know Uh, Of course, very important. Um, But then it was also on at Zeret, which is a a biblical festival. Which is the um, it's it's also called the eighth day in in Israel. It's also called Simchat Torah, rejoicing Mm -hmm. of the Torah. So it's supposed to be this culmination of the whole festival cycle and the uh, the Torah reading cycle. You read um, the end of Deuteronomy. So you're reading Deuteronomy 34 and uh, 33 and 34 about you know promises that are promised to Israel and entering the land. And then you go right into Joshua and it's like, you know, these prophet prophecies and, you know, all these promises made to Joshua, which is, you know, all very directly applicable to, you know, Messiah in the future as well. Yes. Um, so you're reading these things and, you know, at the same time, you know, that these horrible things are happening in Israel and we we're we're not in that, you know, messianic age yet. We're not in that time of peace. And it's, it's, it's horrible and it, it it's even kind of hard for me to um, speak very clearly about it and think very sure. clearly about it. Cause it's, you know, th- it was supposed to be uh, a weekend of, you know, unmitigated joy and uh, happiness, but it's just, you know, very painful. And, you know, and, and as most of you know, like I've, I work for a company based in Israel. Yeah. Um, you know, my boss is there, several of my coworkers are there. Right. Um, and now they have children who are uh, being called into military service for this, you know, this uh whatever's going to happen right um just yeah just be in prayer for israel, it's a incredibly difficult time for uh everyone there, and then you know a lot of people have family there too,
1: yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. and uh we just we want our Lord to intervene and Amen. uh and to bring peace um it's it's just a, an ugly ugly situation, and um my goodness uh, come Lord Jesus, yeah and uh. Bring that that peaceful reign of Messiah. That is our prayer. Amen.
0: Sure. And I think that is it. Come, Lord Jesus. That's really what we're we're praying for, obviously. But you know, even when we look back to the the ministry of Jesus on Earth, His first coming, we see glimpses of what we're hoping for now. We see Him healing people like this woman with issue of blood. Yeah. Um, you know, we see these glimpses of what that final consolation and healing and redemption will be like so when we look at stories like that we can take hope for the future and have a better understanding of what's coming
1: yeah and and we can pray that the gospel will be magnified even through this you know we've got several missionaries through the international mission board uh, who are serving there and various other christian entities um that are actively serving in all parts of israel and um some are obviously doing so anonymously and things of that nature but um we just want to pray that that Christ would be lifted up through all of this, um, that our Savior, who is a Jewish man with a northern Galilean accent, um, would be exalted and um, that people would be drawn to Messiah and that people would find healing and restoration in Jesus, who is the Christ.
0: Amen. So we'll go ahead and get into our scripture for today. It's Mark five twenty-five through 34. Immediately turned in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Okay, so this woman was in a horrific situation. Um, so according to the Torah, according to the Bible, uh, her constant run of blood kept her in a ongoing state of ritual impurity. Yeah. So anyone that she touched would also take on that state of ritual impurity. Um, if just for context, if they, if she touched someone, they would have to, uh, immerse like, you know, same word for baptize, like go under the water, come up. Yeah. And then at sundown, then they would be ritually clean again. Uh, but she couldn't do that. She was just in an ongoing state of ritual impurity. So, but let's start with the question of that. What is ritual impurity, and is it the same thing as sin?
1: Well, God had purity laws that he gave um, to his people. That was part of what set them apart. And purity laws regarding what they were able to do, some very practical laws. So you think about the fact that we're talking about thousands of years ago. Technology is not what it is. Um Cleanliness is not what it is. Sanitization is not what it is today. And some of the the laws that God gave just from a very practical standpoint, looking back on them through the 2020 lenses of our perspective, we can see, oh, this is just the wisdom of God keeping his people safe. You think about what um, every school employee, hospital employee has to go through insofar as training for bloodborne pathogens. And, you know, if if you have blood, you you have to treat it very carefully because there are very specific diseases that can be passed through the blood. And so part of that is just god looking out for his people in a time when they didn't have bloodborne pathogen training and they didn't have knowledge of the fact that there were bloodborne pathogens necessarily so part of these laws uh, even including the food laws you know you, you you couldn't eat shellfish well what are shellfish well in, in most cases they're detritivores you couldn't eat catfish you couldn't you know anything that 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 ate from the the trash on the on the bottom of the lake you didn't want to eat that well I mean, there's some great wisdom in that that keeps you from getting sick. Now, we do things differently today insofar as food uh, sanitization and cleanliness and, and cooking and temperatures and all those sorts of things. And so that helps. But, but there is some sense in which God was just giving his wisdom to his people. And they may not have known why some of these things were the way they were, but God certainly did. The other part of it, though, is that God was calling his people, Israel, to be distinct, to be different, to be set apart. The word holy means uncommon. In other words, the opposite of holy is not just unholy, but common every day. So God was calling his people to be distinct out of all the peoples of the earth. uh, He said, You will be mine. And so you will be different, you will be distinct. So, ritual impurity had to do with honoring God for his purity and keeping away from God's presence anything that was unclean. So, is ritual impurity the same as sin? No, not at all. Um, You know, obviously, uh, a female uh, going through a menstrual cycle is not sinning in. Doing that, that's part of God's good design. Right. Um, but again, uh, it, it hearkens to the purity of Almighty God, and as you look through Leviticus and see all the various laws about ritual cleanness, ritual purity, and impurity, yes, some are very practical, but others have to do with honoring God as holy and, um, and not treating him as that which is common every day. And so no ritual impurity is not the same as sin, but it did keep you away from participating in worship as you would otherwise be able to.
0: Yeah. And I've always been taught that it a lot of ritual impurity, that is, you know, whether basically it came down to whether or not you could uh, enter the temple. Right. Ritual impurity. Um, like you're saying, not sin. Um Having a child rendered you ritually unclean. Yeah, that's it, right. It's not a sin to have children. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I mean, and that's why, frankly, when you go to Bethlehem, you see up close and personally that there's a reason that Mary and Joseph couldn't stay in the house with any of their relatives. They, there was a reason they had to stay in a stable. Uh, there was no room for them in the inn or their their relatives' homes because she was getting ready to have a baby, and she would render not only herself but everybody ritually impure. And so um, there, was, there was more than one reason why they had to go into the place where the animals were kept. And so, yeah, nothing sinful about having a baby, especially when you're delivering the Savior of the world. Um, so... Yeah, that's an important distinction.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, with that too goes, uh, I've always heard that the, you're trying to keep ritual impurity out of the temple, but what is ritual impurity? It's reminder of mortality and decay right. and imperfection. Yeah. Um, so f- for example, um, you know, if you were in the room with a dead body, like someone had died around you or you went to a funeral or something like that, you were rendered ritually unclean. Yeah. Um, is it wrong that you, visit someone for a funeral no is it wrong that you know you help someone who's dying no uh but you know you have this state about you of being around death and you would be a reminder of death to god who you know created us not to die he doesn't die you know it's um there's this disconnect like we always talk about between you know god and his perfection and where we are now in our fallen state yeah um and so i I just wanted to bring that out like i've always um thought that was really interesting the temple laws and the um, the, the connection because you know in, in this story as well um, you know she's rendered ritually in, unclean so you know some people would jump to say well maybe it's because of a sin that she did maybe sure. she's you know done this and you know but it's not exactly that you know but there's always that question lingering like
1: is there something and she must have been thinking that these 12 years like yeah. is it something that I did? Well, you look at John chapter nine, you know, the disciples' question for the man who was born blind yep. who sinned? Yeah. Uh, was it this man or his parents that he was born blind? And so we all have the temptation to say, oh, you have something that is wrong, whether that's a physical malady or, or something of any sort of nature. You're going through a difficult time. We all have this tendency to say, what'd you do? And, and God is very clear. You know, you look at the story of Job, and that is a repudiation of that very notion. Job didn't do anything wrong, and yet he still faced remarkably difficult times. So, yes, we are all sinners. None of us, aside from Jesus Christ, is perfect. Um, Job was not perfect, but there was nothing that Job had done specifically to deserve everything that he went through. And in the same way, we cannot— we cannot deduce from the fact that she's been suffering for 12 years that this woman did anything wrong to endure what she's going through right now. So I think we have, to, we have to be careful there. And I really appreciate you bringing that out because when we look around at people around us who might be going through a difficult time, or even we ourselves who face these sorts of things, you know, I cannot tell you the number of young women that I have spoken to who are battling infertility, whose number one question to me is, what did I do wrong? And every time my heart just absolutely breaks because that is not an automatic conclusion that I sinned, therefore I'm facing infertility. That's not it at all. Um, We don't know why these things are happening. We don't know what this struggle is coming from. And so... If you are in that boat right now as a listener, or you know someone who is, don't immediately jump to the notion that "Oh, I have caused this by doing something wrong." That that's not what the scriptures teach at all. Um, certainly, we are all sinners who fall short of the glory of God, and all of us are in need of the grace of God and mercy of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. But don't allow Satan to convince you that you have somehow sinned directly, uh, thereby causing the struggle that you're facing right now. We can't do that. That's that's um, that's not a proper way of doing theology, um, but it's also not a proper way of living our lives. So be careful there.
0: Yeah. You know, my wife Taylor brought out that um, this woman being in this state was not unlike a leper at that point.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um you know, and being a leper, you'd have to be, uh, you know, outside the congregation, um, you know, in, in spe- specific places where lepers would hang out. But, you know, she's like in a, you know, a very similar situation where she's, you know, if she touches people, they're rendered unclean. Yeah. Um, and I, so I, I started thinking about lepers and, and there there's some idea even at this time that um, leprosy in particular, if you took it on, it, it wasn't. There, there's an idea that it's not the same thing as Hansen's disease at this time. So, right. when, when they talk about leprosy, there's like Hansen's disease, which is what we call leprosy today. But then there's like a separate disease that may or may not have been um, brought on by sin. It, sure. And they thought that at the time. Um, and, e- you know, either way that you fall on that, you have these lepers who go to Jesus and, you know, ask that he heals them and he heals them. Yeah. Um, and particularly if you believe that. Uh, their particular affliction was brought on by sin. He still healed them, yes. and there's still forgiveness in Him. That's um, right. I, I just the more I was thinking about that, the more I was just moved by that. You know, like it, it's it, we. There is forgiveness for us out there. Yeah.
1: Well, and and think about our Savior who allowed this woman to touch Him and did not recoil. Did, yeah. You know, but who even touched a leper? Yeah. Um, and. Jesus's purity uh, was so profound that, you know, he was not rendered unclean or whatever, but um, the compassion of our Savior to touch those who are otherwise untouchable. And again, not specifically because of their sin. Now, in some cases, sure, sin led to those things, but we can't conclude that just because somebody's going through a difficult time.
0: No, not at all. Yeah. So let's talk, talk just for a moment about the, the story that this is sandwiched within. So Mark puts this story of the woman with issue of blood within the story about healing a girl. This woman had hemorrhaged for 12 years and the girl was 12 years old. So what's the significance there? Why, why is this in the story?
1: Well, I think that that is interesting. This is purely conjecture, um, but the number 12 is one of those numbers that seems to be significant to God. Mm -hmm. Um, The number three seems to be significant to God. The number seven seems to be significant to God, and the number 12 seems to be significant to God. Um, And so, you know, I'm not really sure why, but I do find it deeply interesting that this woman had suffered the exact same amount of time that this little girl had been alive. And so, you know, when you reach 12, you're not yet celebrated. She hadn't had her bat mitzvah yet. Um, she she hadn't entered adulthood as it were. Um, she was still seen as a child. Um, but 12 is one of those numbers that, that indicates the uh, – the completion that God is able to bring about. There's twelve disciples after Jesus fed the five thousand. There were twelve baskets of bread left over. You know, um, it's just um, it's very interesting that that was the number that applied to both of these cases um, as these stories intertwine.
0: Yeah, and to get uh, kind of homiletical about it, it's there's twelve tribes. A lot of times, That's twelve. Exactly right. Yeah, twelve ties in with uh, all of Israel. Um, and it's very easy to read this as a story, and I, I got this from Pastor D. Thomas Lancaster. This isn't me, but it's very easy to read it as you know the woman with the issue of blood and the girl who died as being you know pictures of Israel being in suffering and anguish. Yes. Um, but then the consolation of Israel comes. Um, you know, when the Messiah comes, all is made well. Yeah. Uh, there's healing and there's resurrection from the dead. Um, these incredible things happen because. The Messiah of
1: Israel, Jesus of Nazareth, comes. Yeah, and as we think about today, what is the consolation of Israel? Well, we proclaim without uh, hesitation the Messiah, who yeah. is Jesus of Nazareth. Um, who is the consolation of Israel? Whose return we await? Um, who will bring peace that is real and lasting and true peace? And so, um, yeah, I think that's a really that's a really keen insight there. So let's make all of this
0: practical with today's practical application question. How do we find peace in our suffering and sickness as we await the consolation of Israel?
1: That, uh, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? How do we do that? And I think that what I return to is <laughs> I, uh, my goodness, there was a sweet lady who was a member of our church who's now in glory, uh, but she developed dementia. And toward the end of her life, she would come up to me at the end of every sermon. Her father was a pastor, and she would tell me, My father was a preacher, and I know how hard it is. Mm. And I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And she would introduce herself to me again, Mm. you know? But then she would tell me what her favorite passage from the Bible was, and it's Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And I think that this is the how-to that God gives us to embrace peace as we await the consolation of Israel, as we await the coming of Messiah, uh, the return of Christ, and, and the, the consummation of all things when, when it will all be made okay for everyone who trusts and follows Jesus. But, but listen to what Paul writes to the church at Philippi as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what's the answer? Go to the Lord. You say, well, the Lord feels distant. He's not. Go to the Lord. Well, the Lord seems silent. He's not. Go to the Lord. And even though you may still feel a distance, even though you may still experience a relative silence, even though your uh, situation may not be remedied immediately, go to the Lord I heard something deeply moving the other day. It was a clip of Tim Keller who's now with the Lord um, who just recently passed away, who was talking about Job. and he said, when you read the book of Job, Job says some pretty rough things to God, you know I mean job, job wines pretty good mm-hmm. and Job's friends say some things that seem pretty theologically sound about God uh, and yet at the end, Job is raised up, Job is commended, and the friends are condemned for um, not responding as godly as Job. You say, well, what's going on there? And and Tim Keller said that he had an Old Testament professor who said "The the difference between Job and his friends was that even though Job said some hard things, he said them to God. He went to God. The friends just talked about God, and God receives great glory and great joy when we come to him, even when we're coming to him not understanding, when we're coming to him wondering why, when we're coming to him frankly disappointed that it hasn't gone the way we want it to go yet. Nevertheless, we come to him. We trust him. We seek him. We pray to him. And the Apostle Paul says this, the Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious, but in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication. What is supplication? It is, it is making a request to God. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And as we do that, he says, the peace of God that passes all understanding will do two things. It will guard our hearts, and it will guard our minds in Christ Jesus. So, so that's the how-to. And I'll be honest with you: uh, as I live my life of faith, I return to that a lot. And um, if I have a complaint, I take it to the Lord. I don't, I don't share it with others about the Lord. I take it to the Lord. Um, Recognizing always that my complaints are rooted in my lack of knowledge and wisdom and the, the way things are going is, is based upon God's knowledge and wisdom and his unbelievable love for me. So, you know, I firmly believe that one day in glory, we will look back over the landscape of my life and I will thank the Lord for some of the hardest moments that I had to endure. I'm not, I'm not in a place right now as I'm walking through them to thank him for them. But I trust him, even when uh, when things aren't going the way that I want them to go.
0: Amen. I, I think James kind of sums up this whole uh, conversation really well in James 1. Uh, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let the steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So, I think if we're in that place right now where we don't have that wisdom and we're in the hurt but don't understand why, then we really need to dig in and be praying and be asking for that wisdom and asking for that peace.
1: That's exactly right don't don't allow Satan to convince you to run from the Lord run to the Lord and uh, that's a constant reminder that that I give to myself but also share it with others you know it's easy it's easy to start to feel dejected and say well I'm just not going to talk to you Lord well, mm-hmm. why 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 would you why would you not go to the one who loves you more and who can do so much more than you can ask or imagine Um and who is for you, not against you, through Jesus Christ our Lord.
0: Amen. Listeners, if you have a question that you'd like us to address on the show, just go to the link in the show notes or comment on the post below. Jeff, can you pray us out for today?
1: Let's pray. Father, we love you, and right now we lift up the people of Israel, and we pray that you would intervene to bring peace, to bring safety to those who have been taken captive and rescue And Lord, that you would move in ways that are beyond what we even know to ask for. Lord, to bring healing to that land. We pray that Jesus Christ would be lifted up in the midst of all of this and that people would be drawn unto Christ from every perspective, every side, that all people would be drawn to Christ. And Lord, we pray for your protection. We pray for your protection. and ask for your intervention. Fathers, we trust you and follow you. We have to confess there are things that we don't understand. There are questions that we have to which we do not have answers, and that can be very difficult. Lord, through it all, help us to trust you. Help us to follow you. Help us to come to you. Help us to seek your wisdom, and help us to dwell in your peace. Father, we love you. We trust you, and we pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley, and our editors are Chadwick Walden and Fu Ying Engdahl.